You are Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky Wildcats podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Locked On Kentucky Podcast. We bring you info and insights on UK football and basketball every weekday. Stay informed by making us part of your morning or afternoon commute. Listen and follow for free on Apple or Google Podcasts. Just subscribe to Locked On Kentucky. I'm Dan Reefer with Fox 56 in Lexington, along with Kyle Tucker of The Athletic, who is still in Athens as we record this. Uh, Usually we like to do it the uh, evening before so that you can uh, listen to it on your morning commute, but uh, that game ended so late um, and uh, Kyle had work to do so we decided to uh, do it this morning so we'll uh, you'll have it the day of uh, we're, we're dissecting this uh, one day after but of of course uh, the whole show is pretty much about uh, the Kentucky win over Georgia in Athens Kentucky's first true road game of the season and uh, now Kentucky improves to five and six uh, under Calipari in the team's first true road uh, game. And uh, it actually, a crazy stat that Kentucky included in its notes, it's the first time UK has won three straight true road openers since doing it from the 1995-96 through the 97-98 seasons. And uh, those were pretty good seasons. They won a national championship, finished as national runners-up, and then won another national championship. Yeah, it's really hard to do, and, and it's it's especially hard to do under the Calipari model where you're so young. Um, and they were actually two and six in true first true openers before they won these last three. I mean, that was the narrative that they can't. Yeah. You, know, you just can't expect that they're going to go. Uh, you know, they're going to go uh, lose on the road, and that that two and six includes 2015. <laughs> you know, obviously when they uh, um, were so good and I think 2012 so the only two wins they had in their first true road game in fact actually 2012 they might have lost it because that might have been the Indiana game but um point being point being unless they were incredible and even if they were incredible it's just hard with a lot of freshmen um and so for the fact that they've won these last three years their first true road game is impressive and then the other thing I would say about this particular one is we say that like it's hard when you're young, but for once, Kentucky is kind of what I wrote about today for the athletic. For once, Kentucky isn't that young if it doesn't want to be. It doesn't have, you know, they don't have to be young. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Calipari decided, oh yeah, I don't have to be young last night. And I thought that was the story of the game. He he decided in the second half that he was going to ride uh, Ashton Hagen's. Tyrese Maxey, the one freshman, uh, Emmanuel Quickly, Nate Sestina, and Nick Richards, and that is two sophomores, a junior, and a fifth-year senior with one freshman. There were yeah. only there were only two minutes for the entire second half that there was another freshman on the floor besides Tyrese Maxey. Cal yeah. just said, "I'm not going to look at you anymore. You guys that aren't playing well, you're not, you're not. I'm not going to keep yelling at you. You're just going to sit down." Um, and so Khalil Whitney played zero minutes in the second half. Um, Keon Brooks played two minutes in the second half. And E.J. Montgomery played five minutes in the second half. Uh, and the rest of it was those guys. And the, and the other thing about those guys, the veteran lineup, the, the four vets plus Maxi, they scored 70 points. They outscored Georgia by themselves. Oh, wow. 70 to 69. 
So um, that's that's the difference. They leaned on guys that they could trust, the fi- the four veterans and then their best freshman, who always rises to the occasion in the big game and did again. Um, and those guys delivered. I mean, they finished. What a, what a very impressive finishing kick on the road. You know, when they've got you kind of on the ropes, uh, and that, that group just took it and ran with it. The last 532 continuously was that group of five. They didn't come off the floor, and it went from a two-point lead to a, well, I think it was 11 points at one point, and they win by nine. Well, and then I don't think Georgia scored but two field goals over the last six minutes of the game, and one of those was, you know, late, meaningless bucket. Yeah, it was but, over, yeah. Yeah. But there was no better um, – Example of what you're talking about than when Nick Richards picked up that foul, goes out, E.J. Montgomery uh, is in for maybe two seconds and picks up a foul, and Calipari's like, that's it, get out. And Nick Richards comes right back in. And E.J. never came back in, I don't think. Yeah, I don't think so either. I think that pretty much did it right there. And um, and the Nick foul wasn't really on him. There was Nick got a really... He that was has, a bad foul. He yeah. has gotten a really a, a really um, rough whistle, and he did last night. And I do again think it's just like it's a big man syndrome. It's like he's so much bigger than everybody else. If he touches them and they move, foul on him. Um, you know the other the other thing rebounding like the guards and a lot of other guys got involved in rebounding last night, and they out rebounded Georgia forty one to thirty five, and this is impressive. Maxi seven rebounds. Montgomery, that's one thing he did do in the first half. All seven rebounds in the first half. Seven uh, rebounds. Nate Sestina, seven rebounds off the bench. Uh, Emmanuel quickly, five uh, rebounds at the guard position. Um, yeah. The guards really rebounded. Um, Maxi was terrific, I thought. Um, 17 points, eight assists, seven rebounds, and four block shots, which was wild to see. Yeah. Um uh and then and the biggest thing I think is Ashton Hagens is just a freaking warrior. Um we thought he ruptured his Achilles <laughs> in the Missouri game. Mm-hmm. It turned out it was a sprained ankle. Uh I was texting people, you know, while we were recording the podcast on Monday uh night, you know, I was trying to text people and figure out what the deal was and we hung up before I got any response, but one of them was less than 50% chance that he'll play. Uh, another wow. one was he's the toughest dude on the planet if he plays. Um, then he steps off the bus at the arena last night, and he's in a protective boot. And then he plays 36 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And has 13 points, five assists, four steals, and a block. And four steals doesn't even begin to tell it. Like he had, I think, probably three more four more times where he stripped the ball away. I mean, there was one, I think Anthony Edwards was on the break uh, yeah. after they'd turned it over or so it may, I don't actually, it wasn't Edwards. I don't think he stripped Edwards once and it went out of bounds on one of his drives. Um, but then there was another time where Kentucky had turned it over and it was basically Ashton Hagen's last man between the basket and he strips it out of bounds. I believe um, it was Wheeler. Yeah. yeah. None of that goes down as a steal. But I mean, he's just his hands are so quick. Seth Greenberg from ESPN, guy that I covered as a coach at Virginia Tech, he he tweeted that uh, he was going to call him the oh gosh the Georgia pickpocket or something. The Peach State pickpocket is his new <laughs> new uh, nickname for Ashton Higgins. He said his hands are so quick that if you get if you put the ball anywhere near him, he's going to take it from you. 
Um, and he just harassed those guys. I mean, for Ashton to do that, to play 36 minutes uh, on a bad ankle, which maybe it wasn't so bad after all. Uh, yeah. I, I was impressed. He took he, he had bad shot selection in the first half. He was amped up. Maybe they gave him maybe they gave him something because he was cranked up. Uh, he took ten shots in the first half, and they were not good ones. But they're down nine points after a big Edwards dunk, and the whole place is just thunderous with ten seconds left in the half. And Ashton Hagen's again veteran presence. He just weaves through traffic. You know, Georgia's celebrating basically that they're rolling Kentucky, and he just kind of runs it up the court and pulls up and splashes a three right before the buzzer. And that was huge. So instead of down nine at the half with Georgia getting the ball out of the break, you're down six uh, and it's game on. So Yeah. Well, let's take a break and uh, we'll talk more about this game when we return on the Locked on Kentucky podcast. You are locked on Kentucky. Your daily Kentucky Wildcats podcast. All right, back here on the Locked On Kentucky podcast, and I, I've got some friends who who went to Georgia and were watching that game last night. And uh, right at halftime, when uh, Georgia, you know, Anthony Edwards comes out and starts popping the jersey, and um, uh, the players are celebrating and getting the crowd up. And I mean, I understand the crowd was uh, outstanding for them. I mean, Kirby Smart came on TV with an interview that they had with him, and he said he couldn't remember uh, when he had seen it like that. He's not been there very, very long, but uh, that that he hadn't seen it this packed. And they had uh, gave students free pizza and opened the, you know the gates uh, two hours before instead of an hour and a half before. And so uh, it, it sounded like it on TV, and you were there, so you know, but. Uh, so I understand giving um, thanks to the crowd there at halftime, but they were celebrating at halftime like they won the game, and one of my friends from Georgia texted me and said that, so what, are you guys going downtown after this? You're not coming back for the second half? Because that looks like you just won a game. Yeah. Uh, and uh, maybe that got to Kentucky a little bit too because they came out pretty strong to start the second half. Yeah, I thought that was a mistake, and, and you know, it's funny, you know, I, I, the, at the top of the story that I wrote today, I, I said it was like Cal waved, a, waved the magic wand he said he doesn't have uh, and turned this into, uh, you know, this alternate universe where the other team has the potential number one pick who is super talented but does, you know, silly things that drive you crazy, like mm, you know, terrible yeah. shot selection. You know, Edwards had, took some terrible shots in the second half when his team was in control that kind of shot him out of it. Um, and then, you know, premature celebration. He's, like you said, he, he's he's popping the jersey. And, and, I mean, it really was like we won the game type celebration. It wasn't just like feeding off the crowd. It was like, right. you know, we got this um, at halftime of a game against Kentucky, of all, all people. Uh, and then the other thing he did that was really interesting is – uh, with like 13 minutes to go in the game, he um, he put a spin move on Tyrese Maxey. Oh, those yeah. are the two best pro prospects in this game. Maxey, you know, maybe a lottery pick, and and Edwards maybe the number one pick. And they know each other from the um, from the AAU circuit, and they're friends. Uh, Edwards is this just very impressive physical specimen for a guard. He's a muscled up. Yeah, you know, six five, six six guard. Um, but Maxie's no tiny guy. He's six three, but he's he's a stockier guard as well. He's not little, but uh, 
Edwards puts a spin move on him. It drops him. He falls. Uh, Maxi falls down. Edwards scores, and he very demonstratively makes sure that Maxi sees it. Does the too little, which apparently is kind of a common taunt in AAU basketball now, and maybe some in the <laughs> NBA. He put his hand way down on the ground, like mm-hmm. you know, like uh, Tyrese Maxi's about two feet tall, and he's doing the too little, too little, all the way back down the floor, staring him down. Uh, and Maxi was very aware of that uh, <laughs> because uh, Manuel quickly said he was heated. Um, Maxi said he was going to call him as soon as he got off the plane. He was going to call Edwards. And he said, but that's okay because I think we he said last time I checked, I think we had more points than them. Yeah. Uh, so that was, that was interesting. Um, and from that point when it happened, 13, I think it was about 13 minutes ago, that put Georgia up five at that point. Felt like Georgia was still very much in control. From right. that point, Edwards didn't score for the next 11 minutes. Um, and part of that was uh, Ashton Hagen. Some of that was quickly, quickly did again. Another good job guarding a really talented player. Uh, Maxie was on him some and did a good job there in that stretch. And then Maxie kind of went off. Maxie had, I think, seven points, four assists, three rebounds, and uh, a block and a steal um, over that next 13 minutes where Kentucky seized control. And so by the next time that uh, the next time that Edwards scored, there was two minutes to go, and Kentucky was up, you know, several yeah. points at that point. So. A little lesson, I think, in that game for Anthony Edwards, for Georgia. You know, they're coming off the big win at Memphis, feeling themselves, you know, got the crowd into it, got Kentucky on the ropes. If they had just kind of maintained composure, um, I think they win that game. You know, they started jacking so many shots. They ended up 5 of 23 from 3. Yeah, it was awful. They had... Uh, at one point, they were having this huge advantage in free throws. They, uh, there was a time where I believe Georgia had, had attempted 16 or 18 free throws, and Kentucky had attempted three. Right. Um, so just you know, keep the pressure on. Don't give them you know don't don't give them easy outs defensively by having these long pull up jumpers. Um, so I thought that was. Kind of a you know Kentucky has been in this situation, and when they went on that with that veteran lineup, certainly they had. They had a bunch of guys who'd been in that environment, um, and, and you know for Kentucky, the, uh, Calipari said you know we won a game without making free throws. It was nice to know we could do that. Uh, Kentucky's ten of twenty. That was the most shocking single thing that happened in that game was that Kentucky was ten of twenty from the free throw line. Uh, they were eighty percent for the season. They were getting, you know, 25% of their points for the year from the free throw line. I think that was like 10th or 11th nationally in terms of reliance on free throws for points. And this is an offense that needs all those points. And for them to go 10 of 20 at the free throw line, that was shocking. But to to win comfortably kind of uh, by doing that was also a surprise. I think I saw that this is the first time that uh, Kentucky has ever shot 50% 50% from the floor, 50% from the free throw line, and 50% from three-point range. Like, Wouldn't surprise never... me. That's a really super rare. Yeah. yeah. They were 31 of 62 from the field, 6 of 12 from three, and 10 of 20 from the free throw line. It's weird to see 50-50-50 so clean like that on the uh, stat sheet. But if you're going to go 50% from the free throw line, going 50% from three-point range on 12 attempts is pretty <laughs> good. Um, quickly again, I mean, he has just been – 
uh, on a tear here the last few games. I think I saw Chris Fisher tweet that uh, against Utah and Ohio State in those two losses, quickly was something like one of nine from three and mm-hmm. had a total of 13 points. And now here he is these last three games, nine of 17 from three. Uh, he had 15 points last night, 23 in the game before that, 18 in the game before that. Uh, as you said, five rebounds. I mean, he his emergence here is uh, you know is part of um, this team getting better as well. I mean, we've seen what Nick can do. I mean, if Nick and Nick and Quick here, uh, if they keep doing what they're doing, and Ashton Hagens remains steady, and Tyrese Maxey becomes more consistent, and this is the kind of player he is. Uh, you throw Sestina into that mix, you can deal with him not playing really good defense uh, because of his what he brings offensively and just uh, you know his his leadership over over waiting for EJ Montgomery to come along. And I also thought it was interesting what Cal said about uh, EJ and Ashton, with both of them being from Georgia and this being a homecoming. And he said, with Ashton, it's more like I'm going to show you. Look what I can do. Look look who I am, Georgia fan or you know, folks from my hometown. And then EJ's like, Oh, I hope I play well. In this yeah. Game. Yeah. I mean that, and that's, that's the, a perfect summation of who they are right now is yeah. uh, personalities. I mean, EJ just has very fragile confidence, if any, um, you know, I mean, he, he, he at one point gets his shot blocked by a six foot four guard going up, not shot, a dunk blocked. Right. He's 6'10". ten. He gets a dunk blocked by a six, four guard. Uh, another point, he's out there on the wing uh, beyond mm-hmm. the three-point line, and there's no one within 10 feet of him. And he didn't, no. He didn't take a dribble, and he didn't shoot. <laughs> he just passed it he to just, the corner. Yeah. I, I mean, couldn't believe it. I mean, he just – he and he so, so often teams are just, you know, they'll, they'll switch a little guy onto him and leave him. Uh, and And – they're not worried about it because EJ never mm-hmm. takes advantage of it. He'll be six inches taller than a guy and never takes advantage of it. So they've got to figure that out. Um, but I think you're exactly right, Nick and Quick. I mean, it's that they're on a three-game winning streak, and they're all, for one reason or another, very impressive. Um, all three of those wins, I think, to beat a quality opponent like Louisville is very impressive. Uh, to play just kind of beyond a slow start, basically the last 30 minutes to play a, a complete you know, 30-minute overwhelming performance against a pretty good Missouri team, and then to go on the road and do what they did against Georgia. All three of these wins pretty important, and the, and the theme throughout them is the Nick and Quick show. I mean, that yeah. those three guys, or those two guys, have put together each three straight really good games. Um, you know, Richards after that is same kind of deal, too. Those games they lose, Richards disappeared and quickly disappeared. Uh, then they come back from the desert, um, and Richard, since then, these three games, he, he went for 13 and 10 against Louisville, plus the 12 fouls drawn or 11 fouls drawn. Uh, then he goes for 21 and 12 with four blocks against Missouri. Drew um, seven fouls in that game. Seven fouls in that game. And then last night, he got in early foul trouble, and that's when they struggled. And when he came back in at the second half, they took flight. Uh, and he ends up 8 of 11 from the field, 17 points, seven rebounds in just 25 minutes. And what I took away and what I asked Cal about and what I wrote in my little section about Nick and my story, what I wrote about is like the, the, the latest revelation about Nick we got last night was that he's so different in every way, including, 
you know, what's the thing you could always count on from Nick in the first two years? Throw him even a moderately difficult pass, and sometimes an easy one. He was going to drop it, right? Fumble it, or whatever. Hey, and I, la- think, I last- think we should save this. Save, okay. save this for the next segment because I think we need to take another break before we, uh, you know, go way over here. Okay, but let's uh, do it. good because I can tell what, where you're going with this. So uh, we'll talk more about Nick and the difference we have seen uh, that really showed up in that Georgia game uh, when we return here on the Lockdown Kentucky Podcast. This is Locked On Kentucky, your team every day. All right, back here on the Locked On Kentucky podcast. And um, Kyle, you were beginning to discuss Nick a little bit more and how, I mean, I noticed it during the game. There was one point where um, he gets he gets the ball. Um, it was like an awkward spot. I can't, I'm trying to remember how he, he got it. But what he did was he didn't come down with the ball. Like, um, oh, it was like a bad pass. It was, bad it was a lob. Yeah, it was a bad lob to him. Yeah. And instead of when he comes down with the ball, he keeps his, his hands high and the ball high instead of bringing it down to gather himself. And he makes a basket. But that was one of the differences I definitely noticed that, you know, Nick of the old would bring that ball down and it would become a turnover. Yeah, and or not catch it at all. And that's the thing. They, they <laughs> yeah. threw him probably at least three errant lobs. And he went up. He, he had to get way up there to get it and contort himself. Catch it, land softly, bound right back up, and put it in. Dunk it or lay it right in. Right. Uh, three times. And then the one that really just sort of blew my mind with Nick was they're in this, you know, breakneck fast break. He and Ashton Hagens, there's, there's some trash in the middle. You know, there's, there's two or three defenders running kind of in between them. So there's, there's, a, there's a lot going on for the eyes and the body, all in motion. Hagen's throws this incredible bounce pass, which I wouldn't have faulted him except for that he was throwing it to Nick Richards, who I've watched for two years fumble away much easier passes. And I'm thinking, this is going to be a disaster. And he throws this bounce pass between defenders, hits Nick in stride, and he doesn't even break stride. No. It was just a fluid gather and finger roll at the hoop. And, you know, crowd goes wild. Well the, mm-hmm. well, the Kentucky crowd. That was the other thing. It was a raucous Georgia crowd, and it didn't seem like there were a ton of Kentucky fans in there. But, man, when they got going, it was just thunderous go Big Blue uh, chants in there. And yeah, you could hear it on TV come through, and you could hear Georgia try to respond with boos, you know, yeah. to drown them and, out. And that was one of those plays that got everybody in blue uh, going. I mean, there was there were three or four times where Nick showed uh, – a set of hands and just a, an awareness, uh, an understanding, a confidence, a competence, all the, all those words that you never would have used to describe him. Uh, he just kept showing them over and over again. I, I was just so impressed by um, how with it he seemed, you know, in, yeah. in, in every, in every facet. So um, he, he, at this point, I don't think we have to keep talking about, Nick, like a uh, wayward child who needs pats on the head, you know. <laughs> right. Um, you know, we all and I, and I've been sort of more con- cognizant of that here lately. Like, I, we, I should stop talking about and talking to and asking teammates about and writing about Nick, uh, like, um, you know. 
Like, this is who he is now. Yeah, yeah. I should stop writing about him and talking to him and asking him, like, oh, can you believe you can tie your shoes? <laughs> you know, like, because it, it's, it's becoming a little bit patronizing because he's like, dude, I've played more great games than I've played bad games by a mile this year. You know? I yeah, mean, at this you know, point. Yeah, he yeah. hasn't said that, but he could say that. Um, and, and that's the thing. Now, he's established. Like, he's good at basketball <laughs> now. Yeah. I mean, he's had... You know, he, he had two points against Ohio State and five points against Utah and six points against Evansville, um, and that's three games. And they all and they lost them all. And he struggled. But every other game this season, he has been very good. Yeah. Um, I mean, he's one, two, three, four, five, six games where he's had double digit rebounds, and one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. 10 games he's scored in double figures and five games he scored at least 16 points. Um, so what else do we need to see from Nick Richards? I mean, he's a good player. Right. Yeah. 30 blocks in, in 14 games, averaging 13 points a game, seven and a half rebounds a game, 69% from the floor. So, you know, over a 14 games, this, this is who he is. Uh, but, um, and one got to mention the play uh, in transition, the the throw to EJ, and EJ just immediately gets it into Nick as he's, um, you know, hurtling, hurling, hurtling towards the basket uh, in transition, and that was another great play. But you, you say, you know, we shouldn't treat Nick like, uh, well, this is, you know, the, ooh, we can't believe that this guy. But you know, I, I'm looking at Dan Wolken from uh, USA Today, uh, his Twitter feed last night. Um, and he's watching this game and tweeting about it um, over the course of the whole game. And within the first half, he says, Tumani Kamara, the freshman from Belgium, is better than any of Kentucky's big guys. Well, Nick's in foul trouble. I wanted to be back and say, why don't you watch the whole game and then <laughs> tell me after the game? Uh, well, an hour later, he still says, love Kentucky's guards. They're bigs. Well, I'll just say they are on scholarship. So let's just, I mean, just take a quick look. I mean, I just want to see, you know, Tamani Kamara from Belgium. He's the best big on the uh, floor in that game last night. I'm just curious to see his comparison, you know, with Nick. Well, Kamara played 31 and a half minutes. Nick played just under 25 minutes. Kamara, 2 of 4, 0 for 1 from 3, 1 of 4 from the foul line, 6 rebounds, uh, 5 points, 1 block shot. Nick in those less than 25 minutes, played six minutes less than Kamara, eight of 11 shooting, one of two from the free throw line, seven rebounds, 17 points. Uh, did he not have a block shot? I guess he didn't he have didn't. a block shot. And, and you're going to still tell me that, oh, Kentucky's bigs. Eh. Rayshon Hammonds, by the way, Georgia's other big, two for nine uh, from the floor, one of five from three. Uh, only four rebounds, um, nine points, a turnover. The the thing that it came down to was is Kentucky has more guys. Like Anthony Edwards, eight of seventeen. I mean, he put up a lot of shots, but it, it, he needed to, and he scored twenty three points. And then Jordan Harris was good for them. He had ten points, five of seven. But they weren't able to get anything from anyone else, and that's 
that's going to be something uh, that Kentucky winds up seeing, I think, from a lot of SEC teams, where there's two, maybe three guys that they're counting on to, you know, to carry the load for them, and then they, you know, if somebody else doesn't step up, they're in trouble. Well, Kentucky, Maxie has taken over as the leading scorer now uh, on the season. He's 14 points a game. He has now become Kentucky's leading scorer. Nick at 13 points is right there behind him. Hagan's right there behind him at 13 points. Quickly, he's almost at 13 points. So Kentucky has four guys, 14, basically 13, 13, 13, as they're, as they're and Calipari preaches this, that, the, you know, we don't have guys who take 20 shots and, and this is what, this is what it should look like. And this is what it is looking like. And now if you add Sestina in there uh, on a more consistent basis, which I believe is what we're going to see. I mean, when I'm watching that game last night with that lineup of Maxi Hagens, quickly Richards and Sestina, before anybody says anything on television, my wife goes, that's Kentucky's best lineup right yeah. there. Then yeah. Billis chimes in, that's Kentucky's best lineup right there. And then Twitter goes, that's Kentucky's yeah. best lineup right there. Yeah, I mean, we can and all Calipari see Calipari says yeah. it afterward, yeah. Yeah, we can all see that. Um, you know, the best version of EJ Montgomery in there instead of Sestina is their best lineup, but, but that's a dream. It's not a reality. Um, and so on the nights that EJ's going, then that's their, then they ride that. But on nights like last night and so many others where EJ just doesn't show up, then I think it's, you know, you can, you can at least count on Nate for more consistent energy and effort and eight points and seven rebounds doesn't really tell the story of what Nate, Nate gave him off the bench in 20 minutes last night. Diving when, on the yeah. floor on that left wrist. Yeah. I mean, when the, when the game was in doubt, he was the guy that was chasing down, you know, every 50, 50 ball. He came up with a couple huge offensive rebounds. One of which I think he, he got, um, it's funny. He has this weird knack for getting offensive rebounds that are critical in games that, uh, he's facing away from the basket and lands like at the free throw line, you know, the long rebound that he catches over his head and lands yeah. at the free throw line and just immediately zips it out to somebody on the wing for a three pointer. Um, he's had two or three of those this season. And he had, he had, I think he had one in that Louisville game where he caught it about the free throw line on an offensive rebound and got it into the corner. And it might've been quickly who hit that three. Um, and it was again last night for one of, one of Quickly's big three pointers. Um, he zipped it over to him. I thought Nate came up huge for them. Um, yeah. You know, and, and then some of it just steadying influence and talking on defense. And when you're trying to win a tight game on the road, you've got to be communicating. And, you know, if you swap Montgomery for Sestina, that's a massive loss in terms of communication. Uh, Montgomery barely speaks above a whisper anytime you talk to him. Um He's just totally introverted. That may be part of his issue too. He's just not—he's not this gregarious, outgoing personality. I don't—I'm not sure he knows how to just turn on the nasty. You know, we talked about mm-hmm. recently yeah. the alter ego that Nick Richards has discovered, where he's like, "F you, man, I'm coming at you," which we didn't know that he had in him, right? Uh, and he doesn't have in him off the court. Um, EJ hadn't found that yet, and and so because of that, like. Sustina's just, he's imperfect. He's certainly flawed for this level. If they get some athletic matchups, you know, certainly if they play four guard lineups, he's going to get abused defensively, but he's going to play hard and he's going to talk and he's going to make sure he at least has everybody in the right place. And right now, um, 
you know, you can beat a lot of teams with that group. And so I think, I think Cal, I think last night was, was an eye opening thing for Cal Perry. Like, okay, these are my guys and uh, anybody else wants to play. They're going to have to show me something. Yeah, no doubt about it. All right. Well, um, sorry guys that we didn't have this to you uh, first thing in the morning, but uh, hopefully you'll be, get a chance to, uh, to check it out uh, later today and uh, tomorrow we'll come to you um, so that uh, we'll have it for you for your for your morning commute tomorrow and next up for Kentucky is Alabama in Rupp Arena at noon on Saturday we'll um, we'll discuss more about that game as the week goes on but thanks for listening remember you can uh, always follow us on Twitter and comment to us and ask us questions that we can answer on here for you I'm at D-R-I-E-F-F-E-R and Kyle is at Kyle Tucker underscore A-T-H All right, safe travels back here to Lexington, Kyle, and thanks for listening, guys. You are Locked On Kentucky, available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or tell Alexa or Google to play podcast Locked On. Don't worry, I won't finish. You get the idea.